Ken, if I can have you come up here for a moment. We have a Bible for you and a baptismal certificate here. Ken's on his way up here, and uh, Ken was uh, studying with our, our Tuesday group uh, with Stephen and Jim Fussell and myself, and then we did some more studying. He studied with Russ, but he's been a, a seeker of truth. He's been searching out the truth uh, for a while now, and uh, he's come to know Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. He was baptized this past Tuesday uh, afternoon, evening, uh, for the remission of his sins. So welcome to the kingdom, brother. Thank you. Everybody having a good week so far? You know, I was singing this morning, and, and I, I noticed Christy out of the corner of my eye. She looked over at me, and she smiled. And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm getting better. And then she, she slapped. She goes, it's, it's just not going to happen. Because I have a problem, even with the words in front of me. Sometimes I feel like I'm just getting in the mood, so I'll close my eyes for a second. I start to sing, and I totally mess up the words. And, like, she just laughs every time. So I, I, just, I just think there's literally no hope for me. It's a good thing the Lord loves a joyful noise because I provide that, that's for sure. You know, this morning as we uh, look on the screen behind me and as we continue the idea that I've been speaking on, uh, going back a, a couple, two, three weeks ago, I mentioned about the problems that, that were plaguing this nation. Uh, the fact that when you look at statistically speaking, we're weaker in this country now than we have been in many, many decades is in regards to our Christian faith. But then the last couple of weeks, we were looking at how we are the solution. And last week, we were, was, the lesson was on uh, a spiritual toolbox. And this week, the lesson is going to pick up on that in the sense that, well, what else does it mean when, when, I, when I say that we're the solution? And, you know, when you look at the scripture that uh, Randy read here this morning for the, for the scripture reading, it was from John chapter 13, and Jesus says, A new command, a command I give to you, that you love one another. And so that is going to be the, the crux of today's lesson, is that we are to look out for one another. Part of being the solution is understanding what it means to be there for one another, to have a, a, to have a, a brotherhood that you're a part of. I mean, don't we throw around the terms brothers and sisters in Christ all the time? But I wonder how many times we really mean that. Because I'm here to tell you that, I'm just going to be honest, I have sometimes tighter relationships in the church than I have even with my own blood relatives. And so, why is that? Because do you fully buy in that your brothers and sisters are, your, in fact, your brothers and sisters in Christ that hopefully you're going to spend an eternity with? And so, we need to understand what it means uh, to, to love one another as Christ has loved us and to do all things to his glory. And it starts with us. And it starts with us being willing to, uh, to look at others as real brothers and sisters in Christ. It's just not some hyperbole that we use. And so this morning we're going to examine a Christian's duty to his fellow brother and sister in Christ. And as we grow in our faith, uh, it should turn from an inward focus to an outward focus. You know, when you're a babe in Christ, I mean, it's true that we look internally, do we not? We look internally because we're learning the, uh, as a babe in Christ what it means to be a Christian. 
And, and we're looking to grow and to mature in our faith. But as we grow and mature in our faith, it should go from an inward focus to an outward focus. And that outward focus is where then we then enter into these stronger, deeper relationships with our brothers and sisters. So as we kick off this lesson here this morning, we're going to start with a, a, a familiar story. Who here doesn't know the story of Cain and Abel, right? I think all of us know the story of Cain and Abel, and this is the first recorded murder in the, in the Bible. And unfortunately, it was against a, a, a brother against another. And so Cain killed his brother. Why? Because he was jealous. He killed his brother because he was jealous of God and had accepted Abel's sacrifice and had rejected his own sacrifice. Notice the question in this first passage of Scripture that we see here in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9. It's really a rhetorical question. How many times have you asked a question of your children that you already know the answer to? It's not that God didn't know where Abel was. God fully knew where Abel was because his blood was crying out to him. But he tells us here in verse 9 of Genesis chapter 4, The Lord said to Cain, where's your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Can you imagine having that tone and that attitude with the creator? The God of the universe. The creator of all things. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I wonder if we ever have a similar mindset. How many times have you known your brother, your sister in Christ, to be in some need, and yet I wonder if you think of them as your real brother and sisters in Christ? How many times will we do things for family that we don't, maybe won't necessarily do the same thing for our brother and sister in Christ? This is an excellent question, and my brother's keeper, that we're going to look to answer here today because we are our brother's keeper. And we need to understand what that means. Do we have a responsibility to, to care for one another? To be there for one another spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially? How can we then fulfill the role of, uh, of being there for one another? How can we fill the role, fulfill the role of being a brother's keeper? In fact, there are many passages of scripture that show our responsibility that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ to one another. For instance, the Bible teaches us, as we looked at here in the uh, scripture reading this morning, a new commandment I give you. Does Jesus say up here on the screen behind me, a new suggestion I give you? He says, I give you a commandment, a commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. Brethren, consider how deeply Jesus loved us and how much he does love us. And yet... Jesus says, I want you to love your brethren in the same way that I loved you. Can you imagine how great the body of Christ, the church, would be if people actually adhered to this command and actually kept it in context and loved one another as Christ loved the church? What type of love did Christ love his body? What type of love did Christ love the church, the world, and all that is his? He loved us with a sacrificial love. Didn't he have all the power, the glory, and the majesty before the foundation of the world? Didn't he give up those things to take on flesh, to come to earth, and to suffer and die at the hands of his own creation, from his own people? And yet, it says while, he were, while we were yet sinners, he died anyways for us. Because he has such a great love for his creation. 
Brethren, we know that Christ died for all humanity. It is important that we take this commandment to heart because all things begin and end in love. All things in the Christian faith begin and end in love because that is exactly how Christ conducted himself. When we have this type of sincere love for one another, it shows others that we are disciples of Christ. And when we love each other like we're supposed to, it actually makes Christianity attractive. It makes a Christianity attractive to those who are in the world because they want to know why is it that you have a love for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that they don't see in other people in other faiths. They don't necessarily see in other Christian denominations. And that's why it goes back to what I said um, uh, in the last couple weeks that we are the solution. In every generation, the Christian is the solution. We are the solution to the world's problems if we actually carry out our faith as Christ has detailed. If we love one another as Christ loved us, then you're willing to live sacrificially. You're not looking to have your own desires fulfilled, but you're looking to take care and to care for and, and be concerned for those who are part of the body. Brethren, part of being that solution is by demonstrating our love and our care and our concern for one another. And if we don't demonstrate our love, care, and concern for one another, how then are we like Christ? How then, are, how then is the world supposed to know that we are Jesus, we are disciples of Jesus Christ? Everyone wants to experience the kind of love that Jesus came to bring. Amen? Everybody wants to experience that kind of love and so how is it that we carry out that command? How is it that we fulfill what Jesus commands of us? Notice what Peter had to say in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. When you look on the screen behind me, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in the sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently from a pure heart. What does it mean to love one another fervently? It means that we are to love one another intensely. We, we love each other with an intensity that suggests that we should love one another with our whole hearts. And even the Apostle John, he was known as the Apostle of Love or the, or the Apostle that Jesus loved. And in 1 John, in chapter 3, in verse 11 and 12 on the screen behind me, notice what it says. For this message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. If Cain had possessed the kind of love that we are to have for one another, he would have never considered uh, killing his brother. Instead, he would have been happy for him. He would have been happy that God had accepted his offering. And then instead of being jealous and angry and, and murderous in his, in, in his mind and his intent, he would have then went back to the uh, drawing board. He would have searched out ways to, to become pleasing in the sight of the Father pleasing in the sight of God, all the while rejoicing over Abel's success, rejoicing over that, his, uh, that Abel's offering was found acceptable and wanting to know more about how he can be found acceptable. But that's not what we see. You see, brethren, murder is only possible in the absence of love. Murder is only possible in the absence of love because when love is removed and you instead have jealousy, anger, bitterness, and you have that towards your brethren, your brothers and sisters in Christ, only then will sinful thoughts begin to enter into your mind 
And then maybe you have the idea, maybe you've ever thought, man, I wish somebody was dead. And you maybe never get to the point to where you act on that, but have the thoughts entered into your mind because of the anger and the jealousy and the bitterness that have poisoned your heart and poisoned your mind. You see, brethren, that happens in the world all the time. Isn't there a reason why they say there's a thing called uh, crimes of passion? Where does the, the mindset of a crime of passion come from? Because you become so enraged, so jealous, so bitter, that all of a sudden you lose your, your mental clarity, and then you go and you do something, and heaven forbid, it's life-altering. And so, brethren, we look at this. We may never get to the point to where we want to kill somebody, but we can certainly find ourselves thinking evil, which will eventually lead us to sin. It makes me think of this next passage of Scripture in 1 John. In chapter 4, in verse 11 and 12, where it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time, and if we love one another, then God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. You look at these passages here this morning. Are these difficult to understand? Are these difficult to understand in, uh, in, in our, as far as what our responsibility is one to another? Is it difficult to understand about the, the type of love that you're supposed to have? Are they suggestions or are they commandments? And if they're commandments and yet you find yourself falling short, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to then change your mindset? Look to determine why is it that I'm falling short of the commandments of God? What's hindering me from being the type of uh, individual who will express the type of love that Christ had for his creation? You see, brethren, these are the difficult questions that we must uh, regularly ask ourselves. This passage in 1 John chapter 4 behind me, it makes it very clear that we are our brother's keeper. If we love one another, God abides in us. Well, if I don't love my brothers and sisters in Christ, how can God be in me? Do you see the problem with that mindset? I remember early on in my faith, I was doing a Bible study. And there was a Christian that asked me from the pew, now, do we have to love all the Christians? Do we have to love everybody in the congregation? Well, is he your brother or sister in Christ? Right? Remember, there's five different types of love in Koine Greek. When you study out the Greek, there's five different types of love. And they all meant something a little bit differently. The love that Jesus speaks of is that agape type of love. It's that sacrificial type of love. It's not the, lo the type of love you have for a wife or the type of love that you have for children. It's not the type of love that you have for your grandchildren. Agape type of love that we are to even love our enemies is the love that we show to others because we understand what Christ had first done for us. And so we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to be forgiven. Who here deserves forgiveness? Nobody deserves forgiveness. Who here deserved the forgiveness of Christ? It says while we were sinners, he went to the cross. Why? So that way he could fulfill the plan of salvation, or, or he could put, the, put, put forth the plan of redemption that God had set in motion, God the Father, before the foundation of the world, and that he came to be a fulfillment of. And so as we study these things out here this morning, brethren, the question becomes this. How do we show our love for one another? Once again, the Word of God gives us great insight to this question and pretty much every other question that we could ask ourselves. The Apostle Paul tells the people of Rome in Romans chapter 15 and verse 7, Therefore we are to receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. 
Well, what does it mean to receive one another? We should always be willing to receive slash fellowship with fellow Christians no matter who they are. Did Jesus only fellowship with certain members of society? Or was Jesus willing to fellowship with any and all individuals? Jesus received unto himself the lame, the diseased, the rich, the poor, and anyone else who wanted to come to him and who was honestly, truly seeking him out. Jesus turned away nobody. And we know that every soul is important to God. And if every soul is important to God, I would then ask us to ask ourselves, is every soul important to you? You see, brethren, these are all parts of loving like Christ and loving one another. Every soul is important to God, and every soul should be important to us, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is, no matter what the color of their skin is, no matter what their socioeconomical situation is. Every soul should be uh, important to us, just like it was to Christ. Another way that we can show our love for one another is through encouraging one another. You look at the next passage of Scripture on the screen behind me in Romans chapter 14 and verse 19. Notice what it says. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which, by, by the which one may encourage another. Pursue the things that make for peace and by which we may encourage one another. Brethren, everyone needs to be encouraged from time to time. Amen? Everybody has, has the need to be built up from time to time. And how many times do we call our brothers and sisters in Christ out of concern for them and they either won't answer the call or they won't even pick up the phone or they'll just say, oh, everything is going great. Thanks for asking. Even though behind the scenes their lives are falling apart, they're struggling in their faith, and yet they won't accept the help of the church. Brethren, we are to be here for one another, but we can't be here for one another if you won't let us be here for you. Brethren, we are to bear each other's burdens, Galatians 6 and 2. And so as we look at the scriptures here this morning, when we encourage someone, it could take them from having a bad day and to have, help them to have a good day. It can help to relieve some of the stress that they're feeling, knowing that somebody cares. Knowing that if I'm willing to open up, that somebody is going to be there to care for me, to show concern for me, to help me, whether it be spiritually, emotionally, physically, maybe even financially. There are many ways that we can serve one another. There are many ways that we can build up and encourage one another. The next, the next aspect of us being there for one another is, has to do with serving one another. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, the scriptures tell us through the Apostle Paul, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use uh, liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love you need to serve one another. Well, what does this mean? It means that we should look for ways. We should be purposeful in, our, in, in looking for ways to help each other out. How often do we know that somebody's hurting, but we turn a blind eye to it? Or do you know somebody's hurting and then you actually try to put together a plan or be purposeful in making sure that you're doing everything you can to serve them, to help them in whatever the need may be. If someone is sick or if someone has lost, lost a loved one, can we not make meals for them? Can we not go sit with them? Can we not even sit there if they just need just a, a shoulder to cry on? We need to be there for them. We might serve somebody by mowing their lawn. We have old elderly members or even younger members who maybe have to have surgery and they're out of commission for a while. How then can we serve them by helping to fulfill needs that they have? It shows the love and concern that we have for them. 
We might take somebody to a doctor's appointment. We may pick somebody up for worship. There's lots of ways that we could serve one another and show the love that we have for the brethren. Brethren, certainly by us giving of our time, giving of our resources, we could serve others and show our love for one another. I also think about this next one, bearing each other's burdens. In Galatians chapter 6, and verse 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia. He says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual should restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, be one another's, uh, bear one another's burdens, and by doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. Brethren, that is an excellent way to show our love and care and concern for the brothers, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. When someone is going through something difficult, they need someone to help them bear the burden. Now, contextually speaking, it's talking about sin in chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, but that is why we are to go to them to try to restore them to show them the love of the church, to show them the care that we have for them, that we're willing to help them bear that burden, willing, uh, willing to give them the love and the advice and the admonishment that will bring about a change in their lives. Brethren, we must always strive to be burden bearers. And by being burden bearers, we then fulfill the law of Christ and we show them the love we have. Brethren, another way that we could do this is by forgiving. And this is something that is so desperately needed in the church. I have heard so many times Christians who refuse, they literally utter the words, I refuse to forgive such and such. I refuse to give so and so. That is one of the most basic elemental te elementary teachings of the scriptures. If you refuse to forgive others, your father will, for will refuse to forgive you. I mean, it's crystal clear, it's so elementary, and yet people say, I refuse. We know that in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, it says we are to be kind to one another. We're to be tender-hearted and forgiving of one another, just as Christ Jesus also has forgiven you. Brethren, you look at these scriptures here this morning, this can be, forgiveness can be a very difficult thing. I'm not, I'm not here to make light of it. It can be very difficult, but it's also very necessary. Because Jesus forgave you of all, and yet we have the gall to then withhold forgiveness to somebody else. Who here has not been forgiven of Christ of any and all sins? No matter how heinous, no matter how deplorable you may, we may consider the sin to be, did the waters of baptism not wash that all away? And yet we want to hold grudges? And we want to hold other people in contempt because we're not willing to forgive them? You, may, you might want to consider that before your time here on this earth is over. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he says, if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. It's not, it's not confusing. It's black and white. It's crystal clear. And so we understand that forgiveness is hard, but remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was suffering, and then he was, he was waiting to fulfill all righteousness, and then he was, he was literally hanging from the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them. In the middle of being murdered, he said, Father, forgive them, because they know not what they do. Stephen said the same thing when they were stoning him to death. 
What was the point? Because he wanted the best for them spiritually. Jesus wanted the best for the Jews spiritually and for mankind spiritually. Stephen wanted the best for his fellow Jews spiritually. Father, please do not hold this sin against them, he said. Brethren, that is true forgiveness in the way that Christ Jesus forgave us. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Another example that we could do as far as comforting and strengthening one another. Another way to, uh, to exhort is to comfort or to strengthen. And that's something else that we could do. You look at Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 and 13. Notice what it says. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you that fall into evil with an evil heart. Uh, I'm going to read that again. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you uh, with an evil heart and unbelieving and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest anyone should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You look at Hebrews chapter 3 here. And exhorting somebody means to, to take them to the side. To speak to them the words that will either comfort them or build them up. How often are we willing to take somebody to the side? But if you notice in that verse behind me, notice that it says that, you know, if you get a chance once or twice a year. No, it says that we are to do this daily. Daily we, are, we should be looking to exhort somebody, to encourage somebody, to lift somebody up. If you know someone that is struggling in their relationship with God, go and talk to them. Don't wait till next week or next month or next year. Go to them today. Talk to him about today because eternal uh, salvation is, is eternal. Salvation, uh, or, or when we think about uh, being saved and we think about eternity, as my words get twisted up here, I think about how long eternity is. And I think about how I want all of my friends, all of my family members, all of my loved ones to be saved. I know it's not reality, but I could strive to make it to try to to strive to make it to become a reality by doing my part. And so when we think about these passages of Scripture, brethren, don't wait until it's too late. By acting today instead of the next time we see them, this shows them that you care about their eternal salvation. So don't wait until tomorrow. Act today. Be purposeful in going to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be purposeful in seeking them out, showing the care and the love that you have for them. That is how we show the love for one another, the same love that Christ had. Brethren, I look at the last one that we're going to look at here. Last but not least, we can show our love to others by being hospitable. In 1 Peter chapter 4, and verse 9, it says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. I am here to tell you, brethren, we have a problem with this in the church. There's a lot of people who are hospitable, but there's a lot of grumbling that goes along with it. If you ever want to see grumbling, have a church potluck. You go down into the kitchen, and man, there's some grumbling. There's sometimes some backbiting and some fighting. It, it, it should not be that way, but it is. And I, I've seen it at many congregations I've been to. And, and there's some smiles in the auditorium because you guys know I'm right. We need to serve the Lord. We need to do the work of the church without grumbling. I don't remember Christ grumbling when he knew he was going to the cross, when he knew that we weren't worthy, that he knew that, uh, that he could have called 10,000 angels and wiped his hands of us. But Christ went willingly to the cross. It says in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't grumble and complain about these, these uh, you know, us as a bunch of knuckleheads as his creation. 
Brethren, we need to make sure that we do all things without grumbling, especially hospitality. And when we think about hospitality, really what is hospitality? It, is, it was used throughout the, uh, the New Testament. It was used throughout the early church. And that is simply showing hospitality to those who are in dire straits. When Christians were persecuted and had to flee from one place to another, did they not need brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to welcome them in? You don't welcome them in and then complain about it the whole time because, you know, it's, it's, it's really putting a cramp in my style. No, you help them because that's the love that God has for his people. And we emulate what Christ did for us. And so you look at this passage of scripture. Hospitality certainly shows our love for others when you're willing to open up your home. You know, many Christians are nowadays not willing to open up their homes. We'll invite people to restaurants and we'll sit down with them for a few, but very rarely are people invited into the home anymore. I'm here to tell you, it's fine to go to a restaurant, but you can't have intimate personal conversations in a restaurant where it's a loud environment, there's people all over the place, and people don't feel comfortable opening up in a public setting where anybody and everybody's an earshot of what you may be talking about. But if you, open, if you bring them into your home, then people are more willing to open up. They feel more comfortable. There's not the need to hurry up and rush because i got to get out of here so I can free up the table for somebody else. Brethren, by opening up our homes, you can show hospitality. You can show the love of Christ. You can show the concern that we have for them. And make sure that when you do this, it's not just the same uh, Christians that you grew up with. Make sure if you're going to open up your home, do it regularly. Invite new Christians in. Be purposeful in getting to know other Christians with the express purpose to build each other up, to encourage one another, to lift each other up. Brother, I'm going to close this lesson now with a few questions I want you to take home with you and I want you to ponder. Have you taken time to get to know Christ? And have you taken time to get to know your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, I should say? Have you taken time to get to know your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? I want you to reflect on that later today. Is building relationships in the church a priority for you? Because how can we serve one another, love one another, care for one another, be there for one another, if yet we don't have relationships with one another? When was the last time you actively sought out someone to encourage them, to build them up? Are you willing to sacrifice on behalf of Christ, on behalf of other brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you willing to sacrifice on behalf of them? What is holding you back from truly forgiving a member of the church? If you struggle with forgiveness, I want you to go home and I want you to evaluate and I want you to really think deep down what is causing you to withhold forgiveness. And ask yourself, where would you be today if Christ withheld forgiveness from you? When was the last time you sat down and studied the Bible with another Christian to help them to learn to have a better understanding of God's expectations for them? When was the last time you went out of your way to help somebody that was not directly related to you? You see, these are the types of questions that we need to ponder. These are the types of questions that we need to ask ourselves if we really are going to fulfill the one another passages that we find in Scripture. This morning, if you have found yourself falling short of being your brother's keeper, brethren, then I want to encourage you to make a change in your life, make a change in your attitude, and I want you to evaluate your faith. I want you to spend some quiet moments alone and be willing to answer the tough questions. Be willing to ask yourself, why I find myself in the situation that I'm in. 
How can I then improve upon my situation? How then can I accept help? And how then can I also do all things to the glory of God? We all desperately need to learn how to love one another, how to strengthen one another, because doing that will show the world that we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ. Brethren, if you're hearing this message today and you need the prayers of the church, maybe you're suffering with something. Maybe you've got something in your life going on that you want the prayers of the church for. Maybe you want accountability for. Brethren, come forward. Let us, let us pray for you. Make it known. The church will help you hold you accountable. It will help to uh, put a plan in place. It will help you to have a deeper knowledge of the word of God. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, you could correct that today. Just like Ken on Tuesday went down into the waters of baptism for the remission of his sins, he received up out of the water like a new creation. He was added to the church by the body of, uh, by, he was added to the church by God himself, and we know that he was given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can receive that right now if that is your desire. Come forward as we stand to sing the song of invitation.